Welcome to a very special episode of Light the Sky, because tonight, for all of you out there who have wanted to take that pair of headphones that you just bought and want to put them through the ringer, uh, maybe you bought a new car and want to test out the way that stereo system bumps, uh, we are bringing you an episode based on production. We usually talk uh, songs, we usually talk tracks, we usually talk albums, but uh, tonight Alex has come up with a special episode based on the greatest produced records of all time any genre any band any era up for grabs we each are going to go through our top five going in decent ascending order and then we're going to have a little uh, contest because you know what i think this stuff is fun i love the idea because you know maybe you like me I love the ethos of the recording studio, just dripping with the latest technology, the paneled walls, the strange pockets of sound that you get in corners, the the you know the vague lingering stank of marijuana the awkward silence of a control booth as we roll back for take 35 i love the studio and we're gonna bring you the heat with this one um like i said we usually cover great discographies but uh alex you know this is this is your idea i'll let you take it away but i've got chris kevin myself on tonight we're gonna give you a breakdown contest it's gonna be a lot of fun greatest produced albums of all time in each of our opinions Alex, why don't you give me a little background on why you chose this and a bit of the criteria that you're using to judge this. Sure, yeah. So I came up with this topic because, like you said, we've talked a lot about songwriting, um, you know, great talents from the actual, like, musician playing standpoint. And a conversation that Kevin and I often have is talking more on the engineering production side, Kevin uh, being an engineer himself. We always geek out about mixing, mastering, the Bob Ludwig mastered records. What are the best sounding albums? What are bad sounding records? Death Magnetic, Loudness Wars, you know, slammed albums. Do, do they benefit the process? Do they ruin the process? I ask him, you know, we're, what's your favorite, for example, what's your favorite sounding Dream Theater album? Because their uh, their fan base often debates on sonic quality and gets picky about it, so that's a question, a uh, conversation that him and I oft often have, and that's something that I don't think I ever really talked much to Mark and Chris about. I know you guys are big music fans and you you geek out about the songwriting, but I never knew if you were huge into the actual like sonic qualities of records. Um, so you know, like <clears throat> probably you guys, I like to lay back on my couch with my open back headphones. And you listen it through the the high res audio coming through the amplifier, and and I like to bask in like the best sounding records of the decades. So I yeah, that's what I wanted to pick, and that's my topic for tonight. And there's different uh, different article headings like what are the best ten ten best produced albums ever? What are the best audiophile albums to break in your stereo to? It could be hip hop albums with great bass that is going to, you know, exercise that portion. Um, you know, great jazz records from way back when that are super dynamic where you can hear everything. So, you know, just kind of getting your everybody's opinions on it and, and, and listening to kind of different genres. Like you could bring a, a, a jazz record, a metal record, uh, 
pop record. I don't know. What, what are your favorites from that sure. kind of aspect? So if anything, maybe giving more of the engineers a bit of an ode versus the actual musicians themselves. So that's kind of where I was going here. Um, well, so, yeah. I, yeah. I have my five, and, and we can all discuss on what we think. The way you talk about that, it's interesting because I feel like I've already failed right off the bat because the way I define production is by the uh, the guiding force of the producer. I mean, I work in uh, visual media, film, and commercials, and and, and business, and, and you know, creating you know big time uh, um, or like the large scale video for like trade shows and stuff for that, and, and you know, like I am the producer, like I'm the one who is bringing the vision to that content. And I mm-hmm. define great production as the, essentially the director of, if an album is a film, then the producer is the director who essentially wrangles everybody. He's not the star, but he's really in the background, making it all, you know, as, as integral as a, a role as it, as, as a band member, just making it, making the magic happen, using Absolutely. every bit of technology available to them, using, you know, all of the resources that they could pull together using, you know, t- within time constraints, within, you know, balancing the A&R man and what, you know, the East Coast studio and like what the people on the West Coast are saying about like, they, like he's the guy uh, or girl that was really able to pull all that together. And, uh, you know, I've selected my albums at least based on the iconic production um, from that definition. And, you know, maybe quickly, Chris and Kevin, why don't you intro how you selected your albums and then we'll jump right into it with Alex and his first uh, or his uh, uh, number five. Uh, mm-hmm. You want me to you want me to jump in? Yeah, um, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, with me, I mean, it was more again, I because uh, I'm probably the least versed I mean, as far as the studio. I mean, I always judge. I mean, I mean the, my ears have always been my strongest ally just from a normal musical scene perspective, though. I think unlike most people, I mean, I probably listen to a lot more music than uh, so I've developed a very weird kind of. Yeah, kind of hybrid of understanding good production, but not necessarily yeah, knowing like the every niche, like who did what and what sure. instrument was here or whatever. But uh, um, I always look, and I've used this term yeah, throughout our uh, the last year and a half as far as muscle. Does it d- does it breathe? Does it push? Yeah, does it fill up those senses? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, I, I yeah, I always like it when it just yeah, it just has it has meat to it. Uh, regardless of if it's metal or pop or whatever, yeah, and you, and you when you hear it, you know, yeah, uh, especially if you're if you have an eclectic taste like all we do, it's like you hear a great pop song, you, you know, yeah, there's reasons why it's good. I mean, regardless of objectivity, uh, you hear a heavy metal song and you that just really hits you more than any, some other, you know, why it's just there's yeah, there's just that element you don't yeah, you can't you can't argue with, uh, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where I kind of based my yeah just from those kind of from the ground kind of just as a fan yeah yeah of many years since i was four years old he had yeah from the first times i heard music i yeah i just you just yeah you just know you kind of you you, you kind of grow yeah that uh yeah it's like it's you're working that muscle yeah i mean some people yeah lift weights i lift my musical weight yeah yeah from my listening perspective uh, so yeah, so yeah, when I talk tonight again, it's not, it's probably going to be a little bit short, but I'm just going to tell about why specifically sonically, I think the, yeah, these, yeah, my choices really kind of hit the mark, uh, not necessarily who did what or what, uh, maybe touching a little bit. I mean, cause some of these, uh, some of these albums do have, uh, people that were involved that are legendary and worked on, yeah, that, yeah, like one of the few that kind of broken through, uh, from just a, uh, from people who, were, who work in the industry where it's like, oh yeah, okay. I know who. It is. I know he worked on all those records. Yeah, sure. and he has a sound, and he has a yeah, kind of a, a like a, a philosophy and integrity and in how his his records sound. But 
Yeah, for the most part, yeah, I yeah, I just went from yeah, just something where you can tell like that this is the moment where they really kind of captured all those elements uh, and could really kind of define their sound kind of more than anybody else, where it was never really captured like it was at that moment. Um, you know, I'm glad Mark brought up the dimension of production that he did. Production has always fascinated me, um, partially because it's so diverse. Uh, you, you have producers that are very hands-off um, and, and just kind of bring a certain aspect to a production. Maybe they manage the schedule. Maybe they just provide an overall vision and, and, and don't get in the trenches. Uh, you have producers that are very hands-on and, you know, they have that specific sound. And, and you have producers that oversee everything from, you know, the timing, the studio schedule, the talent that comes in, the session musicians, down to the mixing engineer, the mastering, you know, everything that Mark talked about too, just like juggling the record label. And that, I think that is really so interesting because who defines that role? Is it the artist? Is it the producer? All of that. And the albums I selected, I want to say, are uh, pretty diverse. Um, you know, some, I, I tend to gravitate towards those producers that can bring it sonically and from a song standpoint and a management standpoint. Um, but I also tried to pick um, some, uh, and, and one album in particular is not actually one producer. It's got a whole, you know, long list of producers. So, you know, how does that fit in at the same time? Um, so we'll too. talk about that too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's just such an interesting role. And one, I feel that uh, in modern times, maybe in terms of rock and roll, has just been a little bit undervalued. Um, I'm actually a little bit tired of the band saying, you know, we'll th produce this ourselves. No, go get somebody <laughs> to tell you, you know, g give an outside opinion and guide the process. Because sometimes the people who come up with the songs aren't the best producers, honestly, and you need somebody to hone in. Right. So yeah, sure. I'm looking forward to this tonight. Well, All let's right. see how this shakes out. Well, uh, I was just going to say real quick, yeah, so maybe for the listeners, it may be a bit of, uh, I don't know, sort of a, a topic where you know we have different opinions on stuff. So yeah, maybe I'll pick my picks more from a sonic standpoint, not necessarily the best songs, the best albums of all time, but what I maybe you know that fits my criteria a little bit more than you guys and and we kind of came across that dilemma I think the other day where you guys were picking it because it's very subjective like what sounds good to you might not sound good to somebody else and like you could take the adage of like a Rick Rubin record where sonically maybe it's slammed and a lot of people criticize it from a sonic standpoint but maybe it was influential for the time and it brought the impact to the record. So it's like, well, who's to say what sounds good to you? So for anybody listening, yeah, maybe we'll have some different opinions and have different criteria and that's fine. But I it's think show in the of end, opinions. it's a show of opinions and this isn't a definitive list for me personally. These are just five of, I think some of my favorite, if I, if I want to really bask in a record and listen to something that's engineered very well, you know, I'll put these records on and you guys listen to it or your stuff for your own reasons. And if anything, it'll, uh, it'll introduce the, uh, listeners to maybe some records they haven't heard before. So 
Sure. And uh, just kind of a shout out to our uh, our faithful listeners who have been reaching out to us on Twitter, on social media, even emailing us and uh, writing reviews on uh, iTunes. We thank you. Uh, we are going to be bringing more good content for you and uh, might even be moving over to a Twitch platform, which would allow you to watch us live and interact. So should be fun, but let's take it away. Alex, number five on your greatest produced albums of all time. So my first pick uh, of a band that obviously I've known about for a long time and maybe initially for the wrong reasons maybe more of like a meme band in a way uh this band is toto and uh, a band often known for their song africa which you know maybe they get teased for that song i think it's a great song not my favorite toto song i won't say i'm a toto aficionado but a band uh, very well known for the strength of their members from like a session standpoint, uh, specifically Steve Lukather and uh, Jeff Beccaro, the drummer. Uh, this a couple of these musicians in this band were also uh, sort of the backing band for Michael Jackson's Thriller, which is you know is obviously one of the highest selling albums of all time. So I picked the song Rosanna. Uh, I, I think it's wonderfully engineered. Uh, great playing, extremely tight production, great drumming from Jeff, uh, and I think just overall, it just it's it's a sonic treat, and I'm just really amazed with how great the playing is. Like everybody just plays absolutely perfect, and, and realize obviously, you know, this is back. When did this album come out? 1986. Eighty-two, no, earlier, right? 82, 19, yeah. 1982. Total, is this, total, which album is this? Yeah. You didn't say. Is this, four, right? I'm sorry, this is Total Four, four which is yeah, a great record. Yeah. This is not my favorite song on the album. I just, it was hard for me to pick, but I'll, I'll pick one that you know starts off with a great drum sound, great take. Obviously, this is before any kind of gritting or melodyne or Pro Tools, any editing. So you really had to just get your parts down and play it tightly. And I think everybody plays great. It's a great mix. Uh, I'm not super familiar with the mix engineers on this record, a Greg Ladani and an Elliot Shiner. I do know George Marino from Sterling Sound mastered this, so it's a it's a great sounding record. But yeah, uh, you know, had to pick a great studio session band. Had to put it in my list, I think. So yeah, let's go with Rosanna, 1982 off Toto's Total Four. That's probably all I have to play, but 
I just mm. think you have so much in that. I mean, just from a production standpoint, how great the mix is. I mean, that kick drum is so clear and defined. And then you got horns, you got great backing vocals, you got little snaps and tambourines kind of coming out of the different channels. I mean, this is probably like elementary kind of a description for this, but if you really listen to it in a good set of headphones and like good speakers, just the way it breathes and it and it's dynamic and it's not too loud, which, you know, is pretty common for a lot of 80s records with their mastering and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think the way they used all the different musicians on this is great. So just something cool. I wanted to introduce there. Strong pick and uh, great call out to the horns there. Police uh, fans, take note. Yeah, yeah. What are We're your thoughts about? on the horns here, <laughs> Mark? Do these horns work for you? They seem oh, a they little do. more organic. That's snappy. That's good. It seems stuff. like they got some energy. <laughs> yeah, they're not just you there. get a good yeah, baseline. Everything breathes. There's a part where everything kind of breaks away, and you can kind of hear that baseline coming in. Yeah, I just I think everybody was kind of on it for this one. All cool, right. Chris, you're number five. What you got? All right. Um, it's funny. Yeah, when I first heard this band uh, on like a live EP, I was kind of like, oh, this is, I don't know what this is. I'm going to. And sadly, for a few years, I kind of uh, kind of just kind of turned away from them uh, until I was watching a documentary on like the history of like heavy music. And uh, this was one of the first two songs that I heard. And I'm like, wow, why didn't I get that that initial kind of feeling when I first uh but uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just got to give them, give certain bands another chance. You got to kind of dig in a little bit more. Um, and uh, yeah, I know, Mark, this is not really your genre. But it's kind of the uh, not really mine either. But yeah, this is a band that probably if there was one band that has grown on me and has become one of my favorite bands, it's this band. Um, yeah, it's Tool uh, off of uh, the last record before their 13 year kind of space in between albums, uh, the uh, 10,000 Days record, uh, which is, yeah, it's just a sure. very... Yeah, uh, it's it's a yeah, I mean the whole band is fascinating, but this is funny enough my my favorite record. Uh, yeah, it's got the uh, it's got the interesting melodies. Uh, it's got the uh, uh, being a progressive record. It really yeah I don't know because typically there I, I don't like getting too progressive, and um, this is a pretty ethereal kind of intellectual record, but it's got a rock muscle to it that really kind of yeah, where it's got like again one foot in the classic, even with the weird time signature shifts and whatnot, but. Uh, and the guitar tone, uh, Adam Jones really, yeah, he's got that grungy kind of feel, but it's got a tightness to it that really kind of pushes through, uh, especially in the live setting. But again, here we're talking about the studio record. Um, so, uh, yeah, Mark, if, uh, I, I know got I the gave, times. Yeah. What yeah. year is this? Uh, this is 2006. Um, oh, okay. yeah. So this is probably the more. late, uh, uh, no, not, uh, well, they, 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 yeah, there was like five years in between each. Uh, there was 92, 96, 2001, and 2006, if I sure. remember correctly. So, uh, but yeah, this, uh, this is probably, yeah, it was hard picking a song off this record because there's just so many, but the songs are quite long and I had to kind of, had to kind of condense it a little bit. Uh, but yeah, this is pretty much, yeah, the, uh, the, the opening track of the record, uh, Vicarious, uh, and it's just a, a sonic monster, especially yeah in the live. But yeah, here, but also in the in the studio, yeah, it just fills up the uh, the headphones. Yeah, if you could start at uh, your well, one thirty two. Here we go. Let's try it out.
Yeah, that pretty much gives a good uh, kind of yeah. feel for you. Yeah, I just... Absolutely. Yeah, it just, I don't know, like, yeah, again, that's just one of many choices you could pick from this discography, but, uh, yeah, I just love, yeah, the way Maynard really yeah, gets into the, yeah, like, everything, all the pieces fit, again, like, kind of Mark's, uh, It's very balanced. Of, it is very I, balanced, I, yeah, talking about, like, like, got, a, like, a watch movement, yeah. I gotta say, Chris, uh, this is, that song right there, I mean, I know a little bit of Tool, I, I know Danny Carey's a great drummer. Yeah, um, yeah, he's a monster, yeah. But, but Are you gonna this, say what I was gonna say? Uh, no, I was just gonna say that that clip made me want to go put on the headphones and yeah. get a high-res yeah. version of this record and listen to it. it this is, I'll, I'll say this, no offense to your top guitar solos, but uh, this fifth pick, this one hits versus your, uh, <laughs> your top. Yeah. Oh, your, that's your a bit of Oh, you finally brought uh, a good spot. This is, no, hey, this is why we're... Sp- what, what I'm saying is, is if this is your fifth pick, I'm looking forward to your other ones because this is Jeez. a solid yeah, I, I, I will yeah. admit Great that I'm mix. not a Tool fan, but that song kind of had me not in my head. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah it's tone uh, was great. Guitar tone was huge. Just the drum sound was great. Oh, like, I know, was a sonic treat right there. Yeah, I was like I said. That's why I felt bad, like that I didn't give this band. And it, I got to the point where I saw them live, and I was just like, yeah, this is like it. This is where. Uh, sure. But yeah, but yeah, they, I mean, you, I, I would encourage everybody to listen to their. Uh, uh, again, it's like a weird mixture of like American alternative metal and in progressive music uh, with, yeah, with great production. Great. Yeah. Again, they're, they're, they're a band that just they're a machine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. When they, when they work together and uh, yeah, they're kind of, yeah, they're hard to explain. Yeah. They're, it's kind of cool having being a band that's hard to define, but is also an arena act. Yeah. Sure. And they're one of those. Right. Yeah. Joe can't, Baresi. Can't here you go. This is where we can start talking a little bit about the credits. I don't know if you guys know this, but Joe Bressi engineered and mixed Bob Ludwig on the mastering. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> him and the Bob Ludwig. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, Bob you got, Ludwig you got, on this show. You got, you got a four-letter band that starts with T as your number five spot, maybe? I don't. We got Toto, no. we got Tool. Wow. No, no, unfortunately, I do not. I have what is the most recent... Um, maybe it's the most recent on anybody's list. I don't know. I have a 2021 ready. Oh, okay. Then it's not. This album was released in 2020. This is Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. And this is a surprising one, uh, to me because, uh, overall we just got done talking about how the album is kind of not a thing anymore last episode. And, you know, it's tough and people are putting out singles and I listened to this album, and I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, it's a pop album. It's got a wash of songwriters and producers. But when you name an album Future Nostalgia, you better bring a sound consistently. And uh, track by track, it did. You know, you borrow um, bass from kind of classic R&B and funk. You put a little bit of modern spin on the production. You have the vocal effects that fill up you know when to dial it back when to use certain sounds dial up the keys add a little bit of strings and uh, i was surprised at the consistency and pleasantly surprised and this is this is one of these albums when i just want to fill up with some hard-hitting pop i will put this on because it it delivers in the sound and i don't know whether to credit it's hard to credit a single producer here that's what I'm saying. So maybe I credit her as the artist and maybe her people, you know, was she they a always work. Um, no, she was not listed, at least not on the tracks. Okay. Uh, she might have, you know, sometimes they have executive producers on sure. this. But um, somebody put together a consistent album here and I appreciate it 
you know, pretty much top to bottom. There's one or two missteps, but this is one where you have different effects going on, different drums, and, and yeah, you, could, you can just roll the tape now. Stop that right there. I hate the phrase. Like, I hate it. Maybe I'm I could sound like an old man. I hate the phrase, that slaps. So do I. I hate that. That slaps. Like, I can hear where that comes from. Boy, that beat slaps. Anyway. Just a little bit of the guitar in there. little bit of the vocal effects on the yeah. side it's beautiful I'm all good already, so add a little of synth bass in Different songs, or was that one song? This is all no. four. This is four. Yeah. Songs. I believe the trip for me. I feel it in our energy. I see it's written in the stars. We can go wherever, so let's do it now and never, baby. Nothing's ever, ever too far. Glitter in the sky, glitter in the eyes. Again, just doubling the vocals slightly. A little bit of synth bass layered in there. And then add a little string. The little bass fill going into the chorus. You know, I gotta say, and, and this is gonna be obvious for a lot of like modern records that you know you gotta get louder as the years you know go up. You, you know, you look back at the '70s and '80s records, and they're quieter, and obviously stuff's gonna get louder. But for a loud record like that, that's a good mix. You can hear everything in there really well. Yeah, uh, I was impressed. Oh. Makes me want to go put on the headphones. <laughs> sure, that's what we want you to do. Well, right, my Mark. pick for number five is, well, it's not going to win any arguments on the compression side of things. It definitely is slammed. Uh, this is my 2021 pick, and this is something that I stumbled upon. 
Um, I want to give credit to this guy. I'm cheating a little bit because this guy does not produce albums. He just produces singles. Uh, the guy's got his top song might have a couple hundred thousand listens at best. This is nowhere near the level of my other picks. I feel like I need to give this guy some credit. So I'm cheating. I'm sliding a little on this uh, number five spot here. Um, and it is a genre of music that isn't the most popular, but you know, Hey, we're in 2021 and you have every single instrument at your disposal everything. You, you just, you, you, it's unreal. Like the progress that has been made in the studio and the ability to pull up sounds and the ease of use and to be able to blend sounds together and layer things and the unlimited number of tracks that you can use. So, you know, there's an art to blending all of it together and making it both coherent and also overwhelming without being totally exhausting, if that makes sense. And I think that there is an art to having something that can stand on zero on your decibel meters and still sound good. And, you know, like I'm not going to, you know, follow up this, you know, Kevin's pick as well as, as I am going to hear with this, because it's just, it's just going to be a lot louder and a lot more slammed, but let's just give this one a chance. Let's see what you make of it. The artist's name is Swarm, and I have selected two songs from his uh, recent uh, output, just both 2021. Try this one on for your headphones. See what this makes you, uh, how this makes you appreciate, well, what your cans can do. This is Swarm. Some kind of rush woke me up from umbilical cryogenic seasons and shot me up with embedded reception. Looks like Alex just jumped in. Some kind of rush woke me from umbilical cryogenic seasons and shot me up with embedded resuscitated feelings that pulled me up gave me reason to proceed and something to sink my teeth in It's funny, I typically hate dubstep, but I like what he's doing there. <laughs> There's an evolution to it. Yeah. Yeah. There's something. Um, and it's better. weird. Some of the yeah, some of the breakdowns are almost like gent too, but they're mm -hmm. in a pops in a, in a yeah, pops set, Just setting though. We got some we got something Ooh. coming. Okay. I just love that vocal processing. It just fills you up. 
know what that kind you know of reminds me? You know what oh, my ahead. speakers are saying after that? They're saying, <laughs> have mercy. <laughs> yeah. Have mercy. It's just thumping. And yeah, that was just, hurting my ears oh. a little bit, but it, it was yeah. huge. It stands it on zero. I know it's not going to win any arguments in the loudness war. You know, but, you know, uh, you know it, what it kind of reminded me of? Uh, what's that electronic band? Uh, KMFDM, like that kind of very, yeah. yeah, very dark kind of, yeah. What was the name of that song? Was the uh, name? Those were two songs. Those, but uh, um, it was Alpha Omega was the uh, the last song, and uh, Synchronize was the first song. Got so, it, got and there's, it, yeah, I couldn't even pull enough out of it. It's unreal the amount of songs. Or, or, or sounds that he was able to have in these songs and just, you know, not have it sound like a total parade. There was still a coherency to it. So great production, Swarm. Sure. I love it. I love what you're doing. I hope you put out an album. I love your song so far. You've got maybe, you know, he's just got like five, six. I don't know how many in total, but I uh, hope to hear more. I'm cheating a little bit on my number five there, but I think it's worth it. If you love yeah, hard yeah. electronica, it's it's worth uh, mentioning. Yeah. So Cut. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Alex, number four. Sure, yeah. So I wanted to pick a, I, I try to pick an album a decade. I, I don't think I necessarily totally followed it, but this is going to be my most modern pick. Uh, it is a band that I think we all like to an extent, maybe some of us more than others, uh, a band that has been talked about quite a bit on the show and a band that was mentioned maybe about Two or three minutes ago. <laughs> I was uh, wondering if that was going to show up. It will show up. Uh, this is going to be my favorite, off of my favorite album by the group. Uh, it's going to be their second full-length record with a title quite long. I don't even know if I should bother uh, stating it. was tough for me to pick what song. Uh, definitely not like oh, the I'm hoping top. you pick the one I'm thinking. It is the one you thought of. Uh, mm. This is one where it sounds absolutely incredible in headphones, but if you have a nice stereo setup, go ahead and find the high res and go ahead and play this. Uh, talk about filling up a room and maybe one of the greatest clean tones, uh, clean <laughs> guitar tones that I've heard. A fantastic mixing job. And for a band trying to... Do a modern take on an 80s sound. I, I think they absolutely nailed it with their second record. Uh, this is going to be the 1975, and the song is called, before I state it, let me go ahead and make sure I got it queued up. The song is called She's American, and uh, go ahead and listen to how absolutely tight this drum sound is. The spread in the headphones, and just wait after he says big time. I think that's the line. Just listen to that clean tone and just imagine yourself at the venue with the with the lights the neon pink everything going Boy, if you listeners can't tell so far, we love the 80s, don't we?
I just had to have one more big clean time. Yeah, I'm liking these. I'm excited about the. Uh, oh, just yeah. how good <laughs> that sounds. Back and, of the and, order here. Yeah, and, and yeah. that record came out in 2016. Uh, from a personnel standpoint, don't really recognize a whole lot of names here from the engineering aspect. I do recognize a Chris Geringer as a mastering engineer, but I just think you know they had to be influenced by. Gabriel and NXS and Phil Collins with just a lot mm-hmm. of those tones and like no offense to what Mark was playing that is very much the vibe where it is supposed to be loud and kind of in your face and constantly on 10 and that is the genre but here taking a modern spin where there's like a lot going on but they give it enough space where everything breathes and obviously yes this is way louder from a mastering standpoint than a no jacket required is but they, I feel like they take those ideas mm-hmm. and just put it into 2016 where like not everything's too loud everything breathes so well and it's just a modern better version of those old 80s records that we love and i think god, they killed it god i have not given this band enough of a chance yeah, kind of like i didn't maybe this is my next this maybe this is my I new think tool like i, 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 need, I, I need i need to i need I, to get I would, into this uh, i i would yeah. say i would say this for for our you know, our friend, like this group here with, uh, you know, the love I know that you guys have for these various 80s bands, this is the record. And, yeah. I, and okay. I don't know. I mean, the first record's, first record's great, too. It's got hits. And the new That's record the is, a new record, the last two records are cool, too. But this second one, I like it when you sleep. This is this is it for the 80s heads, for sure. Sure. All right, Chris, what do you got? Another 80s classic on the way? What do you uh, got? No, I'm, 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 I'm heading to the 80s, actually. That's why I looked at my list. I'm like, I'm going kind of backwards in time, but uh, yeah, we'll, get, we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, here we're going to uh, Mark's favorite decade, the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> the 90s. I'm, I'm ready like for 90s. That, oh, boy. Yeah, uh, a record that, a uh, classic album that I actually remember hearing when it came out uh, as a uh, young oh, eight-year-old boy. Uh, yeah, this was in my sister's album collection and I'm like, wow, this is even back then. But even now, I mean, after really kind of intellectualizing it, really appreciating how like the different, uh, kind of uh, sonic textures that came together. I mean, on the vocal end, you've got a very much a DIY kind of approach, uh, which I did actually read up that a lot of the vocals were taken from like a very kind of rough demos. Uh, and on the other side of it, the production and music side of it, you've got a, uh, uh, I don't, Mark, you've probably heard uh, uh, of this guy being a Michael Jackson fan, uh, Glenn Ballard, uh, mm-hmm. who wrote, I guess, on pretty much three of the biggest albums of the era. Uh, and he happened to uh, hook up with this this particular artist who was pretty much outside of Canada, not really known. Um, but uh, here she fired on all cylinders and blew. <laughs> yes, and blew, I know what this is. And blew <laughs> off the top. Uh, and again, this was a hard... Uh, Going through all the songs on here was really difficult, but uh, uh, I chose probably one of the most unique on the record. And uh, Mark, if you could start it up just at the beginning, you, you just gotcha. got you got to start it. Yeah, I hope I, I hope it's what I think it is. Yeah, maybe. Oh, it's not that song, but that's fine. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a coals. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 
hate to stop it there, but Chris, I have to say, I have to say, this is the first song I think on this podcast where I I know this album, but I just I forgot about this song, and I, I I started tearing up there. Yeah, no, I know this. Uh, yeah, this, this is a freaking warm blanket. Let me tell you a quick story about yeah. this record. Yeah, I, was go in, ahead. I, I was in college. <laughs> all right, I knew about Alanis Morissette, and I knew her as kind of like the big '90s kind of troubled star. I don't know if that's the way to say it, but like she was like a huge female artist of the '90s. Yeah, and I just like, I'm like, I, when I was a kid, I didn't pay any attention to it, and, mm-hmm. and I regret that I didn't. Um, I don't think I would have really grown up with this record, but I was in college. So this would have mm-hmm. had to be like, oh, I don't know, 2013, 2014. And I went to Marquette in Milwaukee and I was driving to a coffee shop to do my homework. I wanted to get away from campus. I was driving to the car. I had the radio on and hand in my pocket came on the radio. Oh, I know. Yeah. And I'm like, what in the world is this? Yeah, and I hard, just yeah. was sucked in. And then I found out Taylor Hawkins, the drummer of the Foo Fighters, played in her band. And like, that just yeah. all were, but oh, huge. A lot yes. of you know, yeah, huge credit to amazing. the uh, producer uh, to getting the very best vocal takes on record for her. Yeah, I know it was you weird for some small yeah. inflections yeah. there. Yeah, for being such a kind of a DIY. Because again, I mean, she was really kind of a yeah. I mean, when, I think when they when the two of them uh, hooked up, I mean, they were yeah. I mean, she was very much kind of just yeah, almost yeah, almost just right off the street. I mean, really kind of. Uh, had a little bit of success in Canada, but yeah, they, I don't know what happened here. All of a sudden it's like, yeah, they just got the right fertilizer or whatever. And this, yeah, I mean, sold 30 plus million copies. I mean, it's up there with yeah, the huge. black album. And, uh, uh, sadly she never, I don't think she ever really topped it, but none of them really do, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's that nineties f- sound in it, but it's just such a unique, it's got these weird R and B kind of, uh, and her vocals aren't really R and B, but they're kind of, yeah, like very kind of folksy, grungy and, uh, uh, but yeah, it just fills you up though. Yeah. I, uh, again, just going from a layman, like I said, I'm not going to get into the, but everything from the guitar to that intro, just really just, it's, it's not a, again, it's not a punch to the gut, but it just, it's like, I would say it just makes you just emotional kind of, oh, uh, so good. Yeah. oh, and the chorus kicks in. Oh yeah. Huge. And it's just, again, it's such a filling kind of, and then I love how like, when it goes back into the verses after that, it drops back. I don't know. It's just, again, like, well, because like, she's yeah. so mono and close up, you feel like she's is, right yeah. in your ear in the verses and then it yeah. spreads apart for a little bit for the, the pre-chorus. Yeah. And then once you hit the chorus, you've got the full stereo spread. Mm-hmm. Of, of, you know whether it's that's her a, or a studio singer it's, it's good it's so it's so yeah it's such an unusual kind of yeah and that i, I yeah. gotta say it's I, I know we gotta wrap this up i know it's it's funny that you mentioned oh i feel like we're in a coals right now because you hear some of those sound effects and it's just like you know exactly what year it is yeah it's just like <laughs> the epitome of the mid 90s you just hear yeah. it and you're like i know what the person is wearing and I'm like it's yeah. beautiful. It like represents this, a time. Yeah, sure. this is this is taking the flag on '95 definitely, but at least yeah, the the quality Age of the songs well. are yeah very well. Yeah, Kevin, what's your uh, number four pick? Well, my number four pick. It's time to pull out the super producer card. It's not <laughs> the one everybody. Oh, I heard thinking this. Of. I know where you're going. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> this, in my opinion, is the pinnacle of the Little Mountain Sound Studio sound. If you don't know what that is, is a Recording studio in Canada that's famous for recording very uh, quite a few bands, but if you're fa- uh, if you know that Bon Jovi '80s sound, that Bruce Fairbairn sound of that time, this is, in my opinion, the pinnacle of the sound. Um, this producer went on to do 
Um, another album that is always on these top lists, but in my opinion, this one tops it, um, probably because uh, the the band were a bunch of rabble rousing hotheads, and <laughs> not that the other band wasn't either, but maybe they're a little bit more focused. Um, he was able to control them, and I think you can just do a little bit more with this band sounding, get away with it, um, just overall. Uh, you could add a few things in uh, that you wouldn't for the subsequent band. Um, so this is Dr. Feelgood by Motley mm. Crue. Wow. Mm. Yes. Bob Rock. Yes. yes. So just the vocal effects there. You have the Vince Neil like ending the law, the mm-hmm. the line, and the 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 delay bounces from left to right. You have the chorus kind of almost centered, but the the background vocals are so tight. And then coming out of the chorus, you just have the high vocal. You have it oh, layered that, that appropriately. Neil, no, no, no it's totally Vince not. <laughs> no, oh, we we all know that a billion studio singers also came in on this album. But you know what? That's the producer. Well, I mean, I I don't want to harp too much on this, but boy, did they capture the L.A. strip sound and make it huge. Oh, it's one of the biggest sounding albums I've I've ever heard. Oh, yes. And and Kev, did you want to just give a quick story on the the drum sound on this album? Oh, on that drum sound. Yeah, so rumor is, from doing a little digging, that they placed, when they did the drums for this, uh, huge subwoofers in the room that would kick back the lower end. So they'd, they'd hit the drums and all the low end would be fed back into the subwoofers. And you'd, like Tommy Lee said, he was almost kicked out of the set by the force <laughs> of these subs. Yeah. Was a, so when you'd be playing, you just have the huge, and then you'd re-mic that too. So you'd get this massive sound. That was already big because they were probably using the loading dock, the famous right. loading dock of yeah. the Little Mountain Sound Studios. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah to quote uh, yeah Vince Neil in the uh, behind the music about this area that they were a machine then. I mean this is I, this is the clean record. I mean, oh, I know it's coming. Really, Hang on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is I mean, what a tone. Is, yeah. Oh, that snare sound. The layered vocals. <laughs> Even the bass, it fills in nicely. <laughs> And then just a little reverse reverb. God, I haven't listened to this in forever. I hear you. And cut. Okay, I'm going to say oh, this because everybody everybody song. knows what's coming. Everybody knows what's coming. But have you, have you ever, like, captured the sound of pyrotechnics? On record, oh, like his, this, yeah. this his part is it's drum like flash pops go off to this song. Yes, it's <laughs> it's like they 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 the song was made for pyrotechnics, and you can hear it. It's like it couldn't even be scripted. You can any feel better. the no. heat yeah. in your yeah. face. <laughs> like how is that yeah. possible? Yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah. 
Just the phaser on the drums, it just glides, and you get the the, the uh, octave on the guitar coming in too. Oh, this to- oh, this is it right here. There's a story from Mick Mars about how uh, he said that for Shout Out the Devil, we spent two weeks on the whole album. And on this record, we spent like two weeks just dialing in a a tone. Yeah. It's just a level of intricacy uh, on it for a band that's just kind of like a in your face, you know, knock them dead kind of band, you know, it it sure did, you know, and gave them a number one album. So (sighs) the big All right. My number four, uh, we are going way back. We are dialing up the time machine, and we're going, uh, for all of you fans of the show who are not interested in anything past 1990, who've <laughs> been disappointing you so far, <laughs> uh, we're heading back to the 60s. Wow. Um, there's a bunch of records back then. I was considering a number of possibilities for this spot because you had to have something from this era. I was considering uh, Quadrophenia, or Who's Next, um, from The Who. I was considering the White Album just a few years earlier from the Beatles. I'm not a big Beatles fan, but that album is a standout for sure. Uh, I was also considering Pet Sounds from the Beach Boys uh, being oh, really man, one of the most was, yeah. iconic pieces mm. of, I guess, just merging. Like That is like dubstep of the 60s, <laughs> like if that makes sense. Like It's using <laughs> all the sounds available to you. Uh, and putting it together. But uh, this one I'm going to pick out. I didn't pick any of those um, for various reasons. I'm going to select this band because it was their debut album. And it shows both the budding creativity of what would evolve to become one of the greatest artists of all time. And when you combine a band's raw creative uh, ability more of you know in, in this sense a more uh, like a single person's creative ability with using the studio as an instrument and really becoming an equal member of the band um, the ability to bring everything I mean this band would scour the studio and just drag in everything that EMI owned uh, who owned the studio and owned the contract the record label and everything and they would bring it in and try whatever and see if they could use it you know they would use uh, techniques such as separating um, uh, or uh, separating people within the studio so that there would be more reflections so it would retain more of the band's more um, unorthodox live sound you get more splash back off the walls um you had this was the era of four track recording um you know that's unreal like you had to constantly reduce mixes so you could squeeze out that track and make room for more sounds i'm the on the edge of my seat yeah the, the, the pre-planning <laughs> and the production that went into this and you know what you might laugh at me because nobody really liked this album when we covered it okay but if oh, you boy. know where i'm going here oh, God. i uh, there it goes oh. kevin I have to give huge credit to what this band was able to do in the studio for their debut album. I am going with Pink Floyd's The Piper at the Gates of Dawn. (laughs) 
I just had to throw that in there at the end of the bike. But I know, like, we're trying to separate your like of the music from the level of production. I know this wasn't a huge hit when we covered it in our Pink Floyd discography, but I just don't know how you can't deny the way that they used a four-track machine to create all of these layers. Just the subtle, just, you know, little delays on Sid's voice that really gives it an odd sense of depth. And the whole thing is in mono. (laughs) Yeah. Like they didn't even have two tracks to play with. No, he I had forgot. to deliver a killer pre, mix on one. Was this like pre Sergeant Peppers or po- I forgot? Uh, this is uh, just a year time, after like Sergeant within, Peppers. No, you know, uh, Pipers came out around within mu- a month or two of uh, of Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, they came out around because I know they were recording right. it at the they same time. They were first. Also. Yeah, Beatles were first. Um, but the beat. I mean, Paul McCartney is quoted as as being influenced by what Pink Floyd was doing in the studio. Sure. And when the biggest band on the planet is influencing you by what they do in the studio, they belong on this list. Yeah, it's a very objective uh, choice. I, I you, like it. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate the argument here. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's my we'll number see, four. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out, yeah. Alex, what do you got? Number three, almost halfway through. Yeah, so this is a record where I think I've mentioned this band before. Uh, we're going to go back to the 90s, but the early 90s here, again, Mark's favorite decade. <laughs> uh, I would hey, say let's talk movies. I'm all yeah, for it. <laughs> and, and I'm a huge fan of '90s production and '90s bands. I could have picked Why? something from. <laughs> I could have picked something for some of the legendary producers of that era, aka Butch. This is Butch. this is clear. Is this is, is is this band name begin with an F? It does not. It does not. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Oh, I was hoping no, it ended with de- a house too. No, definitely <laughs> not. Uh, so I could have picked something from a legendary producer, aka Butch Vig or Steve Albini, kind of iconic engineer producers of the era. But um, I'm going to pick something, in a way, maybe controversial from a. Uh, like an audio standpoint, because I remember listening to this record with my dad. We were in California and we were driving down the coast and I played this album and he was asking, is there something wrong with the CD player? It sounds like it's warped. (laughs) It sounds like it's skipping. Um, And I would say this band, Kings and I would say Queens as well, because there are some women in the band of the shoegaze genre. Um, this is 1991, so this band almost bankrupted their uh, record label <laughs> trying to make this album. 
uh, because they were kind of left alone and they were taking so long to record this record and kept borrowing money. And Creation Records wasn't like a, a massive album. Like, this is pre, you know, Primal Scream and Oasis and stuff like that where they really blew up. But uh, My Bloody Valentine, I think, are one mm. of the most influential shoegaze bands of all time. Kevin Shields is like absolutely iconic guitar player. Very influential with the way he plays. Obviously, he's a big Jazzmaster Jaguar guitar player where he will play in really weird, odd open tunings and use his tremolo bar on his guitar and while he's strumming, bends his uh, bar in and out while he's playing to sort of simulate this kind of like wavered, uneasy guitar tone that you just end up in a trance when you're listening to it. And they're also known for being one of the loudest bands in the world. Like when you go see them, there's like mandatory that they will give you earplugs as you're walking into the (laughs) venue because like it's that loud. And he credits that or his inspiration, I guess, in that is it's so loud where it's almost like being high in a way. And he's mentioned this in interviews where it's so loud that you're almost, you get in a trance with how loud it is where so much air is being pushed at you and you hear all like how loud it is. It's like a jet engine where you almost, your brainwave shifts to like a certain frequency where you actually end up like in a trance kind of listening to this music. And I'll play this stuff for you and I don't know if you guys will really get it, but I remember listening to this record for the first time and I'm like, I was just blown away listening to this record in college. And it's funny, for the the loudest band in the world, this record is actually mastered beautifully from uh, like a loudness war standpoint because it's actually pretty quiet where you can really crank it and hear how good it is. So I don't, I wasn't quite sure what song to pick. I, I probably could have done a mix of two songs, but let me just play my favorite song from the record. This is Coming Alone. And really just listen... I love the way the guitars just kind of blend and morph and how low the bass is and the way the vocals just kind of fall in with the bends of the guitar. And it's just like one where you really just sit in your basement in the dark with the headphones and just get lost. And you're just, it's like this dreamscape. And I think it's really influential for the time. So, you know, maybe they took influence from... Uh, Sonic Youth and Dinosaur Jr., but these these guys are the masters of it. So this is going to be Coming Alone by My Bloody Valentine. And maybe I'll play a little clip of another song, um, but just check this out. Thank you. 
And I'll play a little of this one too to sort of give maybe a little bit better of a description of the way they played guitars. But the way, I guess more from like a mixing engineering standpoint, the way they captured these sounds, because I can imagine how wild it was to try to tame how loud they played and to get these tones to just blend and mix. And they were Mm -hmm. using DAT tapes back then. And the way they just controlled this chaotic sound into this just like beautiful aura of music and the way the female vocal just guides on top, I just... It, it, I wish the records were almost louder because you really have to experience this live, but it, it's yeah. just like a head trip of a record you when you listen it, to it. Yeah. That's just a record where you just you sink into it and it just takes you off on a journey. And I, 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 I advise maybe these aren't the best examples to listen to it through headphones, but if you can just put yourself in that layback on your couch in the dark with the headphones and just listen to it top to back, you'll just get lost in it. And it's just I think the engineering is just yeah. so crazy. There's yeah, such a, a strange oh. quality of that. It's very that, strange the way that they're able to blend that that loudness with an eerie yeah. kind of calmness. And yeah. it, it evokes to me images that are kind of like the, of, of the movie Train Spotting from Danny oh, yeah. Boyle, which yeah. is about, uh, you know, heroin addict. This addiction. would have been that yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And there was 96. And so it's like, you're really, you know, around that time, it just kind of has that, that nod feeling. Yeah. It's, that, it's weird. It's like, it's like melodic noise rock. It's got that kind of like uh, meandering kind of, but it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's endearing. And I like how the guitars are almost like, like clean amps on the verge of breakup, but ter- yeah, where it's weird, like high headroom kind of. Yeah, oh, it's like loud 100. when you see them. Yeah. Yeah. You, got, you like can those hear that. How like, those, you yeah, like those like hundred watts sun amps and they're turned oh, up yeah. all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no right. distort. Yeah. Chris, your number three album. What you got? All right. Here we go. Um, uh, Whereas, yeah, Homer Simpson uh, said that uh, he believed that rock uh, achieved perfection in 1974. Uh, As far as pop perfection for me, I believe, and you're all going to like this, I believe 1986 was the era, or was the year that pop kind of... Is this Peter, our friend Peter? No, not yet. But, uh, won't <laughs> not yet. yet. Not yeah. yet. Ooh, okay. Yeah, there, there were a lot of choices for this year, but uh, I had to go with uh, one that uh, kind of creeped back in, into my brain, one that I'd kind of forgotten about, uh, how, as far as my love of pop music, how, how much of an important record it was. Uh, from uh, our uh, queen of pop, uh, Madonna, uh, tr- the True Blue record, which... Which is kind of the record, and I think a lot of people agree was the record where she kind of became like the superstar, like the where the quality of the songs kind of went through the roof. It wasn't just that kind of like novelty kind of dance pop, like it wasn't the first two records, which are still very good. I mean, uh, her debut album and Like a Virgin have their own uh, have their own kind of uh, 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 great moments on there. But here, 
I mean, you listen, with exception, maybe one or two songs out of the, what, the 10 or 11 on here, they're all just, yeah, as far as just mid-80s synth pop with that muscle that I keep talking about, it's all here. And there were a lot of choices. Uh, I mean, I could have spent a, a hell of a lot of time on this record, um, but I, I felt this particular song, and it's not, it, it, it's not the most dancey kind of song, but I believed it was the most mature and the best use of where you could see like they 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 really had an incredible sense of melody and and, and hooks uh and such a very it's pretty much a ballad uh this particular song but it just fills the space uh, i can't imagine i mean when they she toured this how that's how the song sounded uh in an arena um but uh yeah this was uh yeah uh, live to tell if you could start at 148 <laughs> I keep going. a lot yeah. I, I, I know i kind of went over but, but there's just so much going on there yeah just there so is. much vibe just the it, way that the production leads the song oh it does yeah it just yeah and then this this is why i said this is the moment i think where as far as where art meet met commerce i mean in that mid 80s kind of especially in this year i mean you've got the, the kind of the introspection which is my favorite kind of songwriting is just introspective um and with that huge kind of but again very subtle uh and this is kind of that era i mean I mean, yeah, you've had Phil Collins, you had all these people that were just kind of, they just found that ingredient, or whatever that was, yeah, just that kind of, I know some people complained it's over, but I hear, I just, I don't know, I just love that 
Yeah, but I think here it's just it, it serves the song, and the song quality is so yeah, it's so powerful. Again, huge, the huge can... warm blankets on this song. Oh, oh I know, yeah. yeah. Uh, the other one I wanted to throw in there, I, if I had the cutting uh, skills that you guys have, you open your heart was another one. It just and that's the dance song that just punches really kind of. It's got that kind of oscillating. Uh, uh, but again, we'll yeah, our listeners will have to kind of go and check that out. Sure. Yeah. All yeah. right, Kevin, what's your number three shot? All right, my number three is an album that uh, you've already heard a song from this on this show. I guess it's not too surprising. But when Alex brought this topic up, I immediately thought of, well, he, one of the taglines he uses that albums where you test a stereo and something that you said on, uh, on the opening too, Mark. And this is an album that I do break in all new sound system stereos with because if the stereo is responding well to this album, I've got a nice bass response, nice high-end response. It covers the gamut on the frequency spectrum. The uh, I know this isn't everybody's cup of tea, this kind of album, but uh, if you've dug into um, this kind of electronic music enough, you realize that there's a lot of bad stuff out there and it's harder than you think to make it sound good. (laughs) So this is the Abandoned Ship album by Knife Party. Every shipwreck comes the chance to begin again, to rebuild anew atop the mistakes of the past. Out of death comes life. Car that had that played that song like you wouldn't believe the way that bass hit there and in uh, boss mode there. funny there's a there's a lot of good stuff missing there yeah uh, yeah there's some good stuff in there i don't know this might but i'll, I'll wait till the uh, the next section i gotta say and uh, and again obviously this is all subjective and and maybe some yeah. of us were going more for a sonic quality versus like i'm blown away at what they were able to do with sounds and fitting them into 
like a stereo spectrum and you listen to you know Dua Lipa and you listen to Swarm and it's like you listen to Swarm and it's like yes it's extremely talented and they were able to just it's it's all on 10 and it's like the mix is great but it's it's I like I said I feel like it's all on 10 where you listen to Kevin and it's like controlling that style of music where it I feel like it just breathes yeah. so well like right. taking like an EDM thing where you normally would be all on 10 but the fact that there's like space in it where the bass can just jump out at you and be on 10 but then there's some space where it kind of backs off and engineering is fantastic on that uh, and that's pretty much the reason why I picked it. I happen to know that they put a ton of effort into their productions. And it is not some dude just with a laptop, you know, in his bedroom that's just cranking them out all the time. You Are know, you ripping on Swarm? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. That's no, what I'm saying. My pick is that we, the dude in the bedroom is putting out no, ridiculous no, stuff. I'm and talking that, about, especially around this time, that all the, the, the bros putting out the dubstep. Right. You know, that, that yeah, when it was like. the hip thing and you would listen to a lot of it. And you're know, like, this is so bad. The sounds aren't there. It's just the same presets, but here they're they're making their own synth sounds. They're 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 filling up that space. It's it's not just like oh let's plug in a patch. It's it's a patch and making it fill up the stereo spectrum. And that's what I was trying to say, Mark. Like I, I absolutely understand your criteria and judging your picks on kind of less on the sonic like brilliance of it and something that I can like put on the headphones and listen to for hours at length and not get fatigued by it. I'm not really thinking about that so much with your picks and I get where you're coming from, but I also understand where Kevin's coming from, where you're taking sort of an extreme genre where you're trying to pack all these kind of extreme sounds and the way it's so controlled, especially from a 2014, like almost like the 1975 thing where it's a modern take on maybe some older sounds, but just the way it's right. You know, yeah, cast, packaged, yeah, packaged. Yeah, my, yeah. Yeah, my only issue, or because this is definitely, I mean, when the when that dubstep comes in, that's much more traditional dubstep, which I'm not, I've never really been a fan of that. But like when it started that first song, I mean, I, uh, I don't know what that was, Kevin, but yeah, that yeah. I loved that melody. Boy, wanted me to pull out yeah, the guitar. Like when I heard those electronic songs where it has like that rhythm where you just want to like, yeah, you just want to kind of improvise over it. Yeah. That was definitely there. Um, and I forgot how yeah. good uh, Superstar was and just the the yeah. layered production on that. Yeah. I just wish they would have done more of that type of production and less just straight up dubstep. No, it's true. But as somebody who's tried to make dubstep before, really easy <laughs> to make it really bad. Sure. Yeah. It, ta- it takes hours and hours of dedication. You just to, load to, up massive and some presets and little yeah. instruments massive. But if, and if you really want it to, to be good and hit hard, you know, sure. you'll, you'll, you'll try to put your own songs in the car stereo and they sound like total mud and not have that bite. Mm-hmm. That, that has somebody bite. you actually, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Great pick. My number three pick uh, is a heavy hitter. It is probably the most anticipated follow-up album in music history. And I'm not selling it short when I'm saying that. It was put together by somebody with a background oh, in orchestration. Well, because you saw my notes on the screen. No, shirt. I know that from I, yeah, I think from I know. Yeah, and yeah. Here, here's, here's a quote from the guy. I'm an orchestration junkie. The producer of the album, by the way. 
you see what's missing. There's not enough harmonic support for the bass line. Or I tell one of the artists, uh, studio guys brought in, I need you to give me a one-bar drum break that the whole world can hum. I have synthonesia, so it's off the wall. I hear, I see music before I hear it. It's off the wall, but it sure works. I see silvers and purples and baby blues. This album, and for my opinion, just, just is one of the greatest uses of the spirit, the stereo spectrum of all time. You could pay attention, listen to all the elements working together, but something that just continuously keeps the ear engaged. It keeps you going from sleep to keeps you from going to sleep. It is just, in my opinion, um, one of the greatest collaborations between great artists and great producer of all time. Yes, I am talking about Michael Jackson. Bad 1987. Here we go. I could change the world tomorrow. This could be a better place. If you don't like what I'm saying, then I won't just slap my You, you know, I gotta say, I'm glad you picked that because uh, Thriller, uh, a song, uh, an unexpected song from Thriller, was in my honorable mentions. So I'm glad some some MJ was got it. Was it Human Nature? Well, and, no, and it was Baby Smooth Mine. Criminal. How they perfectly blended that 1987 contemporary production with what made Michael Jackson Michael Jackson, and you can hear you can hear equal parts 82 and 87 in that yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's, it's, yeah. it's perfection. Yeah, and look, I, the album had five number one hits. You can't argue with me that yeah, there was magic happening I in this think, I think song-wise, I don't think he ever topped that record. Uh, I do agree with some people that they it's probably his most processed-sounding record, but uh, but the the quality. I wish you would have thrown "Leave Me Alone" in there. That was the one. That's probably one of my favorite intro, intros of all time. Oh, I, there's nine songs. Oh, on this, yeah, I know, this yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. You, I know you can throw them all in there, but I just I was hoping Steve to hear that Demon. intro. The, yeah, I like how Chris is pulling out the CD yeah. bonus track. Yeah, he knows yeah. his stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was always. Yeah, I just love. Yeah, that's just one of my. I don't know. It's, again, yeah, uh, just talk about a, 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 a an electronic keyboard line that just has weight to it. Yeah, 
I know, oh, our man. Fans, I know, our, the, our listeners probably know the song, but yeah, just go back. I mean, yeah, the bass in Speed oh, Demon, yeah, you know, yeah. the, uh, the vocals in Liberian yeah. Girl and Police. Yeah. Are you paying attention to those horns? Because yeah. <laughs> they're Ooh, slapping yes. you across the face. And you know, it they were sounds gone by so then. Yeah, 87, yeah. but it sounds so, like, it's so definitive of the Oh, it time. is. No, I know. Yeah, I'm not saying, yeah. Cutting I mean, yeah. the time right there, you know, you, out there. He, like, he, he never did it again. I mean, he never had that quality of, yeah, I mean, and this is, uh, I mean, before the scandal started hitting him, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is that last moment where he was kind of like at the top of the, of the heat. Yeah. yeah. And, and we, t- I mean, we're not, we're talking about the artist here and there's, what can you just yeah. say about Michael Jackson? But yeah. the way that his vocals are layered from left yeah, to right, right and you just hear the vibrato yeah. in his voice perfectly matching. Oh yeah. Yeah. The vocals each, are stunning. Yeah. Part of the, the yeah, the, the yeah. chord that's all, it's just, it's this incredible work, uh, collaboration between Quincy Jones, Michael Jackson and the engineers of this album. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, number two. Yeah. What you got? So this album would have came out two years after in 1989 by a band from England, uh, sometimes considered the Beatles of the 80s. Not quite sure if Mm. that's giving anything away here, but uh, this is a song... Uh, not off my favorite record by the band, and not off uh, maybe their biggest, most well-known record, but the record that came out after that. Um, a song that I actually came across because I was watching, um, there's this guy on YouTube, I think his name is Warren Hewitt, and uh, he is a guy that does like instructional videos. He's an engineer, and he just he's almost like a Rick Beato, where he does a lot of like gear demos and like tutorials on mixing and stuff like that. And he said that the records he uses to test his speakers are this record and Peter Gabriel. So, and I figured that record was something from that record was going to get on here. So, I then went and listened to the song in headphones. And then I saw that it was mixed by maybe the goat, Bob Clearmountain, mastered by Bob Ludwig. You got, you got, you got, you got, I mean, that combo, like you cannot beat that combination. And you got Manu Kache and Phil Collins joint drumming on this song. You got Pino Palladino on this record. You got Robbie McIntyre. I mean, again, just a... a a tour de force when it comes to session musicians playing on this. Uh, this song is Woman in Chains by Tears for Fears. And just Ooh. listen to the mix on this. Just absolutely incredible. And, and also, I realize, listeners, when you listen to this back, you probably listen to a, a compressed, lossy MP3 version of this. Get a good wave file of this and blast <laughs> it in your car, in your good stereo, and just let that that bottom end fill up your house, please. And listen to this the way it was meant to be intended. Just listen to this song, Woman in Chains by Tears for Fears.
could you can listen to the rest of the song, but God, yeah, that's that's, yeah. Per, that's pretty terrific. There's so <laughs> much flutes. depth and the, the way they open to the guitar. There is like a three, like almost like I know I'm really harping on the mixing here, but there's like a 3D quality where everything is just placed so perfectly where you could hear everything. Nothing steps on each other's toes. I I just think it's it's beautiful. From and, a the vo- and the vocals, man, oh. man, are those well? Roland. Yeah, Roland. They're, yeah, they're. they're yeah, they they sound like yeah, like okay, these are the, like yeah. I'm sure there was a little bit of production on it, but it doesn't sound fake though. It just sounds like yeah. It's yeah. I, I'm curious to know how they did that and how they perfected it. It seemed that they just absolutely perfected that in the '80s between this one and Madonna and True Blue. I was going to comment on Madonna, just the yeah. absolute perfect quality of reverb on the vocals. Yeah, to be not oh. drenching, to just, just like how did they just find the most perfect room? Or did they? Like, there's an art to that, the capturing mm-hmm. that naturally. They didn't have impulse responses that yeah. we have these days, and somehow that just doesn't ever have that quality that you get with these these mid eight mid to late eighties pop records. Yeah, it is just because you know it. It's you can hear the reverb tail. But it's not so much where you can't hear the voice. Like the voice is perfectly clear and the reverb just like adds to it. It's just incredible. You try to do yeah. that even today sometimes I, and you just you're just awash with too much. This sounds like the perfect album to listen to, like if you've had a crummy day and you just need to you need to yeah. find the it, you need to you need to right. find the, the the lighter side again. Yeah, like and, there it is. Okay. And, yeah. and I feel like most yeah. pe- <laughs> most people will go to songs from the big chair because that's got you know everybody wants to rule the world and head oh, over hills. Yeah. But this record, I mean, I had to check this out, and once I just heard that mix through good headphones, I'm like, oh man, I was geeking out. I'm like, I gotta. I, I, they just sent me down a Bob yeah. Clear Mountain path, and I'm like, I gotta. <laughs> and then I found out he did, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA, and it's just like, okay. Now I'm geeked me out. You made me want to listen to sure. more. Alex is bringing the heavy hitters. I now. really am. Yeah. I really am. Chris, number two. All right. Well, here is the moment uh, that all of you have been waiting for. Um, I couldn't, uh, I mean, I wanted this to be my top spot, but there was another one that I think is more kind of interesting. But uh, this, I mean, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. It's a, it's, it's an album that I've talked about on other, on other episodes, whether it was bonus or just alluding to it as far as just what, Again, what I said earlier, as far as commercial meeting artistic, uh, and be the it song was hard. I want. Please, yeah, it, it, it's pretty much it's 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 Please. it's the opener. I know it's it, it's no, yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. But okay, <laughs> I wanted I wanted to do one of the more ballady. I wanted to do Mercy Street, but I already chose a ballad. <sighs> Yeah, I know. I really wanted to. It was my if we, if you wouldn't have limited me earlier when you said we could that do, voice like, again. Oh, oh, I know. Well, yeah, I know. That's that. That's a one of the double the, selection. Yeah, the, to the, the light the size specials. Yeah, the I know that. Yeah, we but we, there were rules that we had to follow. I mean, I, if, if if it was me, we would have just sat here and just listened to the whole album. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, but again, we don't want to. I mean, well, some of us have to get up for work tomorrow, and yeah. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe we can take a sick day, yeah, just for special consideration, and just yeah. listen to Peter yeah. Gabriel's so. Yeah, like this guy said, yeah. you t- said you could take the day off tomorrow, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, Red Rain. I mean, there's if there's a moment as far as testing the sonics of a speaker system and all the frequencies, this in particular, this section from pretty much uh, starting at three minutes to five minutes. Yeah, just the, one of the most perfect two minutes. <laughs> Child. 
I know I don't want to stop it there. I mean, uh, I mean this. You know, I mean, you, 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 what an opener. I mean, yeah, that's this is how you open a record. And then you got what Sledgehammer. Don't give up. That voice again. Mercy Street. Big time. Yeah. And even yeah. the lesser now. Yeah, like what we do when we're told. Very interesting. Kind of weird. Kind of alluding back to his earlier years. Um, this is the picture. And then in your, I mean, what a book ended. I mean, that's. I mean, you can't. You can't get any. It's an album to get lost in your headphones too. Yeah, and this is again. This is this is the album that showed me that by the hair on my arms could stick up. Yeah, I mean this is kind of. Yeah, I mean this. Yeah, I mean perfect melding of pop world music. It kind of introduced me to as far as really appreciating rhythms, um, and just yeah, the, um, and and electronic music. I mean this is pretty much one of the when I think of just yeah kind of keyboards. I mean this is where I think when you this is what what it should be. Yeah, it's just is filling. It's not thin anywhere. It just yeah, it just fires on all on all cylinders. Uh, sure. uh, I know I'm not, I'm not getting into the technical kind of like really getting deep, but but you uh, people who know this record know. I mean, yeah, uh, it's it's yeah, it's got the and even as far as topical. I mean, it's got the yeah the the deep yeah the the deep lyrical content. I mean, literally everything everything meets yeah right where it should. Sure. Yeah. Well. All right, Kevin, going to continue the trend of sticking in the late 80s here. What do you no, got for number two? No, I am going to hit the year 1990. Mm. Um, this is my other album that I always test my speakers with. How can you get any better than a mix at Royal Recorder Studios by James Barton and a master by Bob Ludwig. <laughs> if you have the uh, the remasters, throw them away and get yourself the original masters because the remasters way too hot. Uh, just ruin the, the clarity of the songs. Go get yourself the original. But what always impressed me about this album, and this is an album that I uh, started geeking out about the sound, is just the clarity of everything. I, I still don't understand how everything can be so crisp and clear um, with effects on it, especially the, the drums, like the, the hi-hats. How are they so crisp? The, the cymbals, like how, how does that even work? But you still get a room sound. And the, the, the classic, probably the definitive Spectre active EMG bass tone um, of the era... <laughs> This is Queensryche's Empire album. The hunt begins. Skin tight and I provides my pleasure. That little vocal effect, that one. And then cut it. And leave forever. Beautiful. Raindrops taste like tears 
try to replicate that vocal sound. No clue how it's done. <laughs> oh, it's so deep. The, the, the JC-120, wow. uh, the vocal effects, just everything comes together so well. And I, just, it's, I put on the beginning of Della Brown in the car or, or on, on the stereo downstairs just to test it. Am I getting enough of the bass? Am I getting enough of the highs on the cymbals for my rock song? And I know everything's going to be, you know, it can take whatever else that I throw at it. Beautiful. Cool. Incredible. All right. My number two. We have had a record recently from 1990, 1989, 1987, 1986. <laughs> I'm going to 1985. And you know what's strange? We are four guitar players, um, and we have not talked about guitar tone once. Maybe a little bit with that Motley Crue, Dr. Feelgood. I don't remember. Oh, I like, think I know what this is. Nobody's bringing it out. <laughs> The uh, greatest uh, guitar tone ever cut to tape. Ever, ooh, in my opinion. This is risky here, Mark. This, oh, no. You must no, do I this, know. this. I don't know. I think this is a safe bet. Like, I think this it is. is. I think this is a, this is a well-respected, just just you one said, of the best engineered albums of all time, in my opinion. Oh, yes. You said 85. Um, not from so a superstar smooth. producer. It, it really isn't. I mean, one of the members of the band is credited as a producer, so big credit to him. Um, this is just an album of simple sounds, great tones, a phenomenal mix, perfect orchestration, and a timeless jukebox quality Ooh. that sounds like the very best of 1985 <laughs> in just the very best way. Is this way. what I hope it is? This is... Come on. Let me cue it up here. This is, it is. I'm not going to let you down. It. It. This is Dire Straits, oh, no. Brothers in Arms. Oh, wow. Can't argue with this. <laughs> I can't. 
Alex, you talk about songs that bring tears to your eyes. That guitar tone. This is going to be a nightmare. I uh, love it or flesh it. <laughs> it's yeah. just unreal. It, it's Everybody's just, bringing the... Especially on that end, and Brothers in Arms, just that crisp, clicky snare side stick with the organ and guitar working together yes. in the mid-range and just the bass just supporting yeah. it all. I can't, yeah, I can't I just, disagree. That's and you guys brought things. some good, the, like it's been a parade of crisp, reverby 80s greatness. I and so I the, feel like I can, that, that this tops it. Like I, just, I know it's my pick and I'm a little biased, but. No, that's This brings the guitar yeah, that's in a, a way that. But it's, it's, it's tasteful though and yeah. it's not, it's different. You can't, I mean, Mark Knopfler, I mean, is, yeah, he's a guy One who really has his own sound. I mean, yeah. That, that, and he's a producer, do you? I mean, yeah, he's like kind of a jack of all trades. I mean, when you look at his career, yeah. You you gotta love the small stuff, like in Money for Nothing, how it's all reverby and yeah. builds up and then it cuts to the, the riff, right? It cuts mm-hmm. to the riff and you hear the touch of reverb. The drums come in and suddenly it's dry and it's just so tight. Like that yeah. that this production decision is just so good. It's, it's the, on. the only thing that this album has working in against it, in my opinion, is that Walk of Life is a piece of crap. I it's hate still, that song. No, it's, it's so pretty corny. Good. I, 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 it, that's like the most the dated. Person, I'll, I'll admit, that's what it's like. Yeah, it's supposed to be like cheesy. a like a like a like a like a, uh, like a county fair song. I mean, it's it's you know, it makes you feel it's, good. It's, you're, you're not, not helping. Right, it. Right, we're not <laughs> talking about the music today. We're not confe- talking about. That. I have a confession to make. Okay, I was go- and, and I'll get more into it on my pick, but I'll just say here, I've never listened to this whole album all the way through. Dare I say, I only know one song from it. And oh boy! I am as soon as we're done here. The <laughs> version of this whole album is going on. I just looked at the first yeah. The deep cuts too. Like Omar I didn't even think really right across the river. Or... Omar Hakim on drums. Tony Levin playing bass on One World and Sting on the record. Yep. Ah. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. Uh... That's a tour. I think the fact that Money for Nothing isn't even in the opener. Like how much of an opening intro is that? What? It's not even the opener. Uh, I know. All right, Alex, I think it's time for you to number top one. that with your what number one. What do you got? One. Number one. Okay, here it is. Now, this might be uh, a little boring. Because, <laughs> uh, no, let me just say this. All right. Because, what, is let it predictable? Me just, or? It's Chris, predictable. what do you got? It's predictable <laughs> okay. because you go and you type in audio files on, and this was not, I, I didn't realize this until later, but you go and you look at top, top, greatest produced sonic testing your speakers albums of all time and this is in the top five uh, a band known for very much being a studio band uh really only having like three or four kind of like solid members dare i say two solid members uh pretty much through their whole career and constantly hiring loads of the best session musicians ever to play on each track uh, from 19, and I, I had the pleasure of seeing these guys a few years ago in Texas, and I was just mesmerized. Uh, you know, not you really only had one original member, but I mean, what a freaking band! Uh, this is from 1977. 
1978, it won. Oh, I know this it one. won a Grammy for the best engineered record. Uh, uh, it, it, it is. Uh, I'll just write this, read this here. It is since, and, and, and you know, take this as you wish. You know, this is your own opinions, but I'll just say it has since appeared frequently on professional rankings of the greatest albums with critics and audiophiles applauding the album's high production standards. 2010, it was uh, inducted into the Library of Congress for cultural, culturally, historically, and artistically significant. Uh, luckily, it does. As in, it sounds amazing. It sounds incredible. <laughs> you have to think about the year 1977. So again, pre Pro Tools, all that stuff. Just that it was so hard too to pick. What song do I pick from this record? I mean, God. But I, I, I'm going to pick this one. Um, yacht rock, jazz rock whatever you want to call it i mean this is my favorite record from the band uh they had a lot of great records maybe earlier than this they were a little bit more classic rock and had some hits this is maybe a little bit more highbrow jazz funk era but i mean who do you got on this record from a personnel standpoint i mean come on you got larry carlton you got Steve Gadd on drums on a track. You got Bernard <laughs> Purdy. You got Jeff Perca- uh Is Percaro on this record? Oh, wow. You got Michael yeah. McDonald on this record. You got Jim Keltner. I mean, so many great. Walter Becker, of course. This is Steely Dan. We got Asia here. And I'm going to put Peg yeah. in the chat. And I mean, just listen to the Sonics. And also... If anybody can go and listen, I think it's on YouTube. Uh, thankfully, there is a classic albums documentary on this whole mm-hmm. record. Please listen to it. Just the Sonics, the the perfection of the studio takes in getting the right guys at the right time on this record. I mean, incredible. This is Steely Dan. This is Peg. Uh, this is the song I'm going to pick. I was going to pick Deacon Blues. I was going to pick a. Uh, I was going to pick Asia because it's got one of the best drum solos of all time in it with Steve Gadd on this one. But I'm going to go with Peg and just listen to it. Just just soak it up. Okay? Here it comes. Why can't I play the video? It's not working. <laughs> Skip to the video and just listen. Oh, there we go.
thank you for picking something from the 70s. The way Michael... Really, we're all so trying to way, outdo each other way, with the most crispest... The way Michael McDonald, just his vocals just pan during the end of that chorus yeah. there. You got Bernie Grunman master in the record. I mean, God, just listen to this whole record, please. Yeah. Yeah, those I need vo- to get the vocals too are, are, sure. are really clean. And, 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 I mean, there's there, there's no there's no sharp edges Boogie anywhere. Nights. And I'll say, and, yeah. and, and I feel like there has been, and this is gonna, get, I shouldn't even say it, but no, I'm not even gonna say it. But I'll just say that there has been like a resurgence, like maybe almost a hipster element of people getting back into Steely Dan, and that's fine. Like I appreciate anybody appreciate it. I'm not going to say I'm some kind of steely Dan aficionado. I will say like my dad got me into them playing their records. Can't buy a thrill pretzel logic, all that stuff at a really early age. But I am just, Oh, I mean, this is it. I mean, and you have your, I feel like there's like different camps of steely Dan fans too. Like this is definitely more like on the jazz, like highbrow tip. And then you listen to the early stuff and you got reeling in the years, uh, you know, back jack do it again where it's a little bit more classic rock but i think this is the one for me i got the original vinyl uh there's different versions you can get the high res you could get the different pressings of it just like this is the audiophile record of all i think right here it also probably best demonstrates yeah their sound too i mean them, like you said like the earlier stuff really is kind of has that kind of 70s rock kind of or classic rock kind of feel but here it sounds like steely dan where it's like you can't really point to anybody else <laughs> like yeah, that, that sounds like this. And, and I just picture like, yeah. like Donald Fagan, just this. I, 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 when I saw him live, it was so funny because he was kind of like hunched over and he was just like playing his glasses on. And I almost yeah. picture him like he's like this, uh, like old professor of music like at Juilliard oh, yeah, yeah. or something like in New York and he was like all coked out and he's ordering everybody around in the studio to get stuff done <laughs> I just like I don't know if that was him at all but I, I like to envision him that way I heard they were pretty rough I think oh, yeah. on the, as far as yeah that it was very very about as meticulous as one can be in the studio I mean sure yeah where I think ultimately I think it kind of led to a lot of kind of just fractured relationships but yeah, but uh, I mean, they were a studio band. They, I think, they even admitted in interviews. I don't they think hated, they really played they live t- much. Yeah, they hated touring. Yeah, yeah they, that was just not. They just liked being in the studio and just tinkering. That was what they were. They were professional tinkers. That, luckily, I mean, we're, we're lucky for them. I mean, they still had a lot of multi-platinum records doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris, what's your number one? All right, uh, you know it's funny. I wish I could have loopholed it like you and Kevin did, as far as kind of cutting songs together instead of the because uh, I know we were kind of following the one. Uh, well, if, if we do another one of these, I'd like to you know, learn how, or you just show me how you do that because <laughs> yeah, sure. that's really a helpful. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so this was uh, one that was initially going to be my number two. But uh, after kind of again critically thinking about it, um, yeah, this is a record for an era. Again, we're going back to the 60s, actually. I'm going to throw I got my one uh, 60s record. This is such a fresh sounding from the guitars to the uh, yeah, to the vocals. Uh uh, and again, there's there are a couple of songs where you can tell, OK, it's definitely got that psychedelic era feel to it. But for the most part, um, the, just the way there are a lot of songs I hear, you could hear like a, like a blues rock song from the 90s or the 80s or whatever, where it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's kind of attached to any particular era. Um, and that is uh, the second record from uh, the Jimi Hendrix experience, uh, Access Bold as Love. Um, this is all and this is, again, for a long time, a record that I always considered a as far as a uh, one of the rare albums from that from that era that actually cross crosses eras where you can hear it now and it sounds like wow that production is incredible and it sounds so clean uh so warm 
uh, doesn't have a lot of those 60s edges where you feel like where it sounds like like the Vietnam War era where it actually sounds like a like a timeless blues rock record. Uh, and, I, and as far as uh, that's probably one of the few where I where I pick one particular song, yeah, where I think that kind of fits as far as without digging deep across the whole. Uh, but it does kind of represent it uh, the, the, as yeah, as a complete piece. Uh, it was uh, castles made made of sand? Um, you know, Mark, if you could cue up that uh, that time slot I sent you. I got off the cue. Oh, that was the. Down the street, you can hear her scream, you're a disgrace. And she slams the door in his drunken face. And now he stands outside, and all the neighbors start to gossip and drool. He cries, oh girl, you must be mad. What happened to the sweet love you and me had? Against the door, he leans and starts a scene, and his tears fall and burn and garner me. And so castles made of sand fall in the sea eventually. A little Indian brave who before he was dead played war games in the woods with his Indian friends. And he built a dream that when he grew up he would be a fearless warrior Indian chief. Many moons passed and more the dream grew stronger till tomorrow he would sing his first war song and fight his first battle but something went wrong surprise attack killed him in his sleep that night and so castles made of sand melts into the sea eventually it's kind of where you were yeah um yeah that, that's where i couldn't uh but anyway yeah the studio version yeah that, i know that version uh, it was kind of hard to hear all day but the guitar sound very crisp, very kind of, it doesn't sound like a 60s guitar. Like when you think of Clapton or a lot of those other, uh, it's very, and maybe that's, maybe it being as clean as it is, maybe that's why it has such a, yeah, uh, such a timeless feel to it. Uh, and again, yeah, you got uh, Jimmy, I mean, playing or kind of working the studio. Yeah, working, yeah, just really kind of taking advantage of the, kind of the, uh, all that new technology that was out there not really kind of steeping in the, I mean, he was admittedly a guy who looked towards the future. I mean, that was kind of his, yeah. Uh, as, uh, as far as just continuously always moving forward, yeah, sonically, lyrically, um, yeah, just new technology. I just never, never, never one who kind of rested on his laurels. Uh, Mitch, Mitchell I, on drums too. So good. Yeah. And I think, and I think this is the best represent. I mean, the first record is probably my favorite record area experience, but I mean, as far as, as far as, as far as studio, time and as far as just the sonics of the yeah i think this is where they kind of got it yeah hmm. um uh i know they i mean i know they talk about that uh, electric lady landed even more so but i don't i don't know i still think this is where the best it kind of it was the best balance of the cleanest production and still the hard edge hmm. um, sure and, like yeah it. it's it's yeah i like the panning of the uh guitar sounds oh i know yeah the kind of like the, the yeah and it's such a unique like yeah, again that Hendrixy kind of blues chordal, so that only he could really pull off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number one, Kevin. All I'm gonna say oh is that um, <laughs> I could probably do a two-hour show solo on this album and still not exhaust all there is to say about it. I wonder if this. Uh, Mark, roll the tape, and I will uh, pause it at points and point things out. <laughs> 
Give it to me, please, now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew this would be here. Just notice how the voice and the guitar, there's a subtle voice that's going along with the main guitar line there before you get the whole background vocals. Okay, so you have the main bass line, right? So you got the main driving bass line for the eighth notes. Then you got another bass that's going on on the ones on the right channel. Then you got another bass that's going on <laughs> on the threes on the left channel. So you got the dun dun bum and then the fade in. And then you got the guitars coming in right but you know, before you even hear any like lyric. This is all going on. Listen to the changing bass sounds, too. Yep. Even that part, right there, going into that, you have the whole buildup, you got the, the screams into the final chorus, it is harmonized, there's a high harmony that you just can barely pick out into it, it's just ridiculous, I know, it's so high, but it's insane, it's there, it's there, all the thought, you know, bands probably like put in two, you know, you say two weeks to record an album or whatever, probably two weeks to record a vocal take. Oh, I, I would not it. be surprised to get some of this on here. Right, guitars. Then add in another guitar, and then hear a little guitar on the left channel. Another one going on the right, besides the cleans. Add in a fifth or sixth guitar, again on the right. No, it's funny, this is... How many voices are going on in the first 10 seconds there? They only had, you know, Mark, you're talking about four track. And, you know, it's actually amazing that you went from four track in 68 or whatever to 24 track in 87. But even still, when you're recording hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of voices and then bouncing it down, bouncing it down, bouncing it down. I read that the tape was almost clear by the time that they finished this album because of oh, the yeah, times that had been wow. run through the machine and all the splicing and everything <laughs> that, that wow. you know, the edit, you'd, you'd edit and you'd, you'd edit and you'd edit and you'd go through and then just, it's, it's ridiculous. What?
the flanger on the vocals that come back for the second time just through that whole section it's almost like a rocket you know that Mm -hmm. middle section of rocket where you got all the cues that happens and then you go into that beautiful clean guitar section and then adding all the effects onto it and then finally for my last clip of the day (laughs) my favorite hidden moment in the entire album the very last track, like this is like, you, how many hits have you had up to this point? Last track, Love and Affection, it's the guitar oh, solo, man. it's the guitar solo, and what do you have if you listen closely, but a group, like a gang vocal humming the main melody under the guitar solo, easy to miss. You know what? Why even put it in there? But no, it's the little things that build up to so many huge things. It's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that. If you didn't yeah, know, yeah. that well, was you hysteria. Know, you know, you know, it's funny. What do you that... say to somebody who yeah. hates the '80s? Besides, go jump in the lake. I mean, I like, know people. That's the no, one thing about this record. <laughs> that, 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 the one thing about this record, though, that the production is so stinking '80s. Like it's just dripping '80s. That the qual- the I, I feel like you would have a hard too. time approaching it if you hated those sounds and you would miss everything. Yeah, I, will I think say you maybe, just can't yeah. you can't deny the effort. Oh that no, it's, put it's, in. It's, it's you just oh, it's you just brilliant. cannot like like even okay. I'll I'll just admit it right from the start. The Pink Floyd, I gave it like a two when we did it, right? Yep. But now you play it here, and I am not a huge fan of like the sixty sounds. But I will admit that what they're doing in the studio was incredible. Yeah, and I think that honestly. This album, Hysteria, is like the peak of what could be done in the studio, like pushing oh, yeah. the boundaries and the melody, to, yeah. to the limit, sure. to the absolute, I, not only in terms of like technology, but just like adding all these little things that almost you think nobody catches them. Who catches all those guitars in, in the verse of Animal? Huge hit. But if you were to ask like 99% of people, nobody's going to notice all those guitars, but it makes a difference. That's what's so amazing. I heard something where they would, I don't know if this is true, but honestly, like knowing Mutt Lang, I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't they like sometimes record stuff like one string at a time? For those chords? Yeah. So if you hear those chords that are panning left to right in Animal, so gling gling, you know, that, that. During the verse. Yeah. And actually, those chords, if you listen hard enough during the chorus, they actually happen during the chorus, too. It's like, and I want, did it, and I yeah. need, did it. Right. So you have to, you're doing that instead of strumming, you're actually having the notes all start at the exact same time. And I've tried it here with my little Rockman, and I'm not even close to an engineer or producer that, that they were at the time, you know, that Mott and Mike Shipley and and Def Leppard were, you know, playing, but it does give a different feel. And I think that's the only way it's like almost a keyboard, but it's a guitar. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, just the way it. that they digitized a rock band and did it so perfectly just was, mm-hmm. I mean, between this and pyromania, just this, it's, it's set the standard. 
Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think there was a band of that era that really kind of, as far as hooks and just the sound, I don't think anybody really ever topped them. And, you know, it's funny, Kevin, yeah, this was actually the record that got stricken down when I submitted my uh, list. But I'm, but I'm, I was but wondering. Oh, I one. knew this was coming. That's why I didn't put it yeah, in but, there. But, 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 but it's yeah. funny. In retrospect, I'm glad that you took it because you really got into the deeper there that I wouldn't have been able to touch yeah. on. I mean, I, you, with me, I would have just been babbling like an idiot. Just, oh, this is, this is awesome. Oh, this is, you know, this one too. This, oh, it's just all so great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so we, I'm, glad, I'm glad we got your technical perspective. I'm and, just analyzing the, uh, yeah. And I have a lot of memories with this band and, and song. And my friend Matt which Kevin knows from high school, got me into this band. But it wasn't until I met Kevin in high school that he really got me to appreciate the, like, engine. Because, like, I've known this has been Kev's, like, probably favorite produced record ever. And you mm-hmm. really got me into it and telling me the different... And, and like, Kevin's recorded my some of my bands before and has used some of these techniques before, like the breathy background vocal doubling effect mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's yeah. like you can learn so much from just this one yeah. album yeah i try to take all these things and I, I it's funny even in prep for this show i discovered stuff like parts i'd never heard before how is that possible an yeah. album i've listened to so much right mm-hmm. so yeah the testament yeah all right, right. closing it out <laughs> finally with my number one i've brought some heavy hitters to the table i believe so far, and we are now going to be leaving the realm of music that the three of you like and entering the <laughs> realm of music that the three of you hate. I don't expect to win any uh, uh, points for this style of music or this artist or this genre, perhaps, as a whole. Um, I would, though, I would argue that... Is this Russian this rap, artist- Mongolian rap or something? What do we got? No, here? this is not Jesus. <laughs> this is not... No, because uh, I listen to not that little big. This is, I think, this album. I'm going to set it up. I'm going to try to talk up front about it before you turn on the music, because the music is probably going to turn you off. But <laughs> I would put this album and the album before it up there. There are three just iconic back-to-back albums that just changed music. And I think it was, you would say that uh, Sgt. Pepper and the White Album from the Beatles. You would have Thriller and the, and Bad, which I played. And you would have uh, the one before this one and this one. Uh, I will argue that with anybody. Um, I will also set up that there are so there are some of the best-selling artists of the decade after this album would not even exist do uh, without the production brought forth by this artist on this album. Um, this artist, you know, there is a Floydian level, a pink Floydian level, a quality to where one note hits and you know exactly where you are. You know exactly when you are, you know exactly what to expect. This artist has a miles Davis level quality of getting the very best out of his guest stars um, this is an album that it, it's kind of interesting because it was recorded in Hawaii. Um, it was book. A studio was booked out three rooms 24 seven producers were flown in from the mainland, the 48 States. And they were uh, basically, it was kind of like a, apparently like a musical survivor where if your ideas were good, you stuck around for the next day. Really? If your ideas were bad, you were on the plane back to Dallas or New York or Chicago or wherever. This was a 24-7 endeavor over, I don't know exactly how many weeks, the artist was taking power naps of 90 minutes and then going on from studio to studio to studio, That's taking ideas as far as they could go. 
No. And then, uh, you know, as soon as that stopped, he would go into another studio and then take ideas as far as that could go, take a 90 minute power nap, go into the next studio. You know, none of you are going to, um, you know, again, I, I don't want to set this up to anything else. I guess I'm just going to say that this guy put the sound on the map for our hometown, Chicago. This is 2010. Let me make sure this is queued up. Uh, this is 2010. Oh, no. This is, I oh, yeah, here he goes already. Oh, no. This oh, is Kanye this is. West. Oh, and my, oh, God, stop growing. Oh. My groaning. My beautiful, dark, twisted <laughs> fantasy is my number one pick for the most be the best produced album of my all time. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Okay, hold on to if you have little kids listening, this might not be the time to be listening to this podcast. What record is this? Uh, outside of headphones. My beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Dreams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Kill a block, I murder the avenues. Raping village of village, women and children. Everybody wanna know what my Achilles heel is. These niggas I made millionaires, milling about, spilling their feelings in the air. All I see is these fake fucks with no fangs, trying to draw blood from my ice cold veins. Looking at my bitch, I bet she give your ass a bone. Looking at my wrist, said it turn your ass to stone. with Kanye I this is not really my world and I'm not gonna act like I know this stuff like if I'm listening to I don't know I mean I had like 
you know, my usher phase, and this is going to sound so bad, and feel free to edit this out, but, like, I've had, like, phases with rap and stuff, and, and I, I don't, I absolutely respect the style of music and enjoy a lot of it, but I just miss the boat on Kanye, and I think, which is probably common for a lot of people, his persona and his attitude, like, kind of ruined it for me. No, it, but it I will... Makes it, right? It makes the artist. But I will agree that when I put on one of his interviews, it's almost like a Trump thing. You like, you hate the guy, but you can't look away. You're just sucked in. Yeah. <laughs> and I am intrigued and I watch his full interviews and he's got like a mystery to me and I don't get him. And I've definitely, I, a lot of my friends are, are big fans of his and, you know, proclaim on how great his his albums are and his run. He had like some of the greatest, like what, like five or six album spree in sure. a long time graduation so, to this so really. I, I i get it and obviously like we're not, not all these people are wrong i just i've never got into it but just listening to those clips you can hear so many different sounds and styles yeah. and that's oh, what yeah. i've heard he's done so i'm not gonna shit on it it's like not my thing but i i feel like i could take an objective approach yeah. and get it I like how it doesn't sound like your typical kind of your like i guess you want to call hair metal level hip-hop with pretty much is pretty prevalent nowadays it, it has you can see he's pulling from a lot of different places whether it's the bass or the r&b or uh there's a little bit of 70s kind of funky kind of stuff going on um uh, yeah i yeah i think you kind of underestimate yeah, what we're or at least what i'm <laughs> able to absorb i mean i, I and look at the personnel yeah, list yeah. he's got yeah. everyone from like As i said miles davis level what do you yeah. what he's everybody. got like get elton john on elton john he's got basically yeah. all of black sabbath on a song <laughs> literally it's not it, free it, it, and what i was referring i mean like drake would not exist sure without kanye maybe you think that's a good thing man but drake would not <laughs> exist without kanye west i mean just just you know this this the, the influence this had on music i mean you listen to you know the number two song on spotify i believe little nas x and uh what is that song? That's just it's just a total earworm. But like it's totally 808 and heartbreak. Like that would not exist had Kanye way, Kanye not done that record. Um, you know, it, it's just the depth and thickness. And Chris, you talk about the the what, what would you say the thickness to pop? You you call yeah, yeah, it like the like the muscle, yeah, muscle the behind yeah. it. There's just yeah. a total muscle, and the way that the guy can construct a beat that is just like that. All of the lights does drum sounds are just terrible. Like they're just like these, boop, 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 boop. but it sounds so good. You can dance yeah. to it. You can groove to it. Like, how does he do it? The complexity of the character, whether you hate it, whether it's political for you, whether it is contrived to you and marrying a Kardashian and all that. I don't know. Like, I think he's still the last great artist. And this yeah, what, is 2010. What, what and, the, and you just what, don't have anybody who continue, who continues that thread throughout many different albums and just is willing to put in the time and the work to create something that you want to, like Alex said, you want to watch the whole interview. You want to listen to it and un see what you can unlock from it. Which well, record? What I love. What, what, oh. oh, go ahead. This is my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. Oh, okay. All right. This one. But what I love yeah. about the ability, well, in this genre too, is that you can switch up the sounds you know, next song, different sounds. It, it's mm -hmm. just like that, that ability to, to merge song, merge sounds, merge songs, merge artists. It's like he used that freedom. You know, it's not, we're not just going to stick to, you know, some of these rap albums, like 17 tracks and they all kind of sound the same. 
No, you know, even the clips you played, they're just like, oh yeah, like, wow, that song is killer. Like, man, is it just laying it down there? And it's like, I can get into this. And then you play the next one. It sounds completely different, Mm -hmm. but you can tell it's the same album, but like you got different guests and you're like, oh man, that's a different, like a totally different sound. It's like that, that, that's something you utilize it and like probably have to check this out. Mastered it at it's still coherent. And I know you can't, it's, it's, it'll annoy you if you listen to this top to bottom and you don't like it. It's going to be tough listen. A lot of rap. I'm like, you know, like I like individual Eminem tracks, but an Eminem album, I'm tired of the guy, you know, like after a few tracks or, you know, if you listen like Kendrick Lamar is one that, you know, you kind of have to really just try it a couple times and and get into it before you you do it. So I get it. Like I totally get it. Um, But I'm just, you know, that's, that's just my argument. This is it. I maybe rated it higher just Kind of check in spite it out. of yeah. all of our 80s yeah. pop glistening <laughs> reverb albums and just the like you had to have something from this you had to be like dr dre the chronic or you had to have something that was just mm-hmm. that represented this style of music because it is such a production style of music mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i love how uh, apple music's uh opening description yeah yeah this album is masterful that's pretty much all it says <laughs> so mm-hmm. i'll have to give it a, i'll have to give it a shot like i said i'm open to sure yeah same and i liked i liked uh Again, I'm a guy who likes rhythm. I mean, yeah, rhythm is a very important part of my of what I look for in a lot of music. And I, I could tell there were certain things there that were a little bit more uni- unique. Yeah, not really like normal kind of rap music or whatever. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah we talked about that a couple times. Maybe it's a recurring theme of the show. It's just that the way that people are able to utilize simple sounds in many ways, like yeah. I said, try recreating that vocal sound from Empire. Try taking those boopy, boopy, you know, 808 drums and making a beat like all of the lights, like the you know, I'm not saying you're going to fail at doing it, but mm. like, boy, that really what separates the artists, you know, the, the Roger Deacon, you know, you know, as a cinematographer from just a cinematographer that they can make a blank wall look incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just, that's what's this, yeah. that's just the talent that lies in great production, I think, is taking the simplicity of sounds. And I know I started with a super complex song and just dialed it back to dire straits and then kind of brought this back a little bit. But I think that's a, an overarching theme that we've covered a couple of times is just really perfecting a sound that is it's not about find, finding the right sound. It's just making the best with what you have and experimenting nonstop. All right, let's close it out. We're going to do something a little different tonight because now the show's running a little long. Um, I'm awaiting a bag of nachos. Kevin's awaiting <laughs> some food. So uh, we want to just wrap this up quick. We're not going to do our patented love it or flush it game, but we're just going to walk away because we've all been pretty impressed with each other's choices and just see which album, you know what, I that, that we're going to take away from this and really want to dig into that we hadn't previously heard of. Um, I will start and I will... Um, I think I might even pick something from everybody. Um, Steely Dan, Alex, I've always wanted to get more into that band. You know, your, your, your list of names that were dropped on that album are intriguing, you know, for a band that seeks perfection and, and tweaking in the studio. I really like, I've, I've listened to that album before. I just really should dig more into that. Uh, Chris, Madonna, True Blue. Wow. Like mm-hmm. that is, that is just eighties. Like I, I haven't given that much of a chance being a that it's Madonna, not something that somebody who's maybe more of a, you know, I, I guess you could say my taste is unique too, but you know, I'm not going to go from listening to Demi Borgir to Madonna, like in, in one, uh, you know, go. So like maybe right. it's worth uh, a little bit of time there. And, and, uh, Kevin, uh, future nostalgia, you know, 2020 pop perfection. Thank you for not picking Taylor Swift uh, uh, in 1989 on this list and picking that instead as representation. <laughs> uh, I have to dig into that uh, 
Dua Lipa album uh, and yes. uh, a little bit more. And I think all three of those are going to be on my playlist tomorrow uh, into digging into. So for me, hmm, okay, Chris, that's an easy one. Your Madonna hit, yeah, that was right out of the park. Uh, um, like that sound, I was not yeah, expecting it. I'm familiar with, yeah, familiar with some of the hits on that album, but uh, you picking that song in particular was like, man, I gotta check this out. Mm-hmm. Like it was way more layered than I thought. Alex Steely Dan, uh, you sent it to me before. And I've listened to it probably like Mark and been like, oh, you know, it sounds good. But that really wants me like it's it's asking for a deep listen with good headphones on a good system. It's just like I'm sure that all the interest intricacies will shine through uh, for Mark. I'm thinking I, I, it's hard because I'm debating between two. And I don't know, maybe some of you will laugh at this, but it's between the Swarm and the Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> swarm. <laughs> uh, so I'm just, I'm just going to leave it there. Maybe both get my uh, my my ears uh, on That's the Spotify. Kind of yeah, so it, it'll depend, but both of those will definitely be checked out. Chris. Are we, are we on me? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, and giving credit to Mark. Yeah, I'm going to... Yeah, I... I'm interested in that Kanye record. Yeah, it actually, there were some things there. Like I said, it's a little, it kind of takes those left turns out that aren't necessarily really kind of really staunchly in like traditional rap music, which is what Kanye is. I mean, he's kind of a, he's kind of a uh, Swiss army knife. I mean, as far as he doesn't necessarily do one thing. I mean, a lot of his, I mean, that's why a lot of his classic records are very different um, mm-hmm. from one another. So yeah, that'll be my pick for yours. Uh, yeah, oh, Alex. and try 808s yeah. and Heartbreak. It's a little easier to digest. Okay, a little want, bit more melodic. If you love 80s yeah. Sounds. yeah. Okay, I'll, I will do that. If you could stand uh, the auto tune, anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Alex. Uh, yeah, that 1975 record. I gotta. I really gotta give them mm. yeah, more of a listen. Yeah, I don't know why. I've never really. Yeah, kind of given them more of a chance than. Uh, uh, yeah, than I have in the past. Uh, and Kev. Um, yeah, I gotta. I'm trying to. Yeah, that's a. I know I would generally go with hysteria because that's one of my favorite records but it's not something new though uh yeah so, i did bring a lot of familiar to, yeah uh, <laughs> but we there know. were like i said i know i was kind of cra- uh, cramping a little bit on knife party that there were some things in there but I, there were uh, there were certain non-kind of dubstepy things that i did really like and i think i might go back and re- kind of there are a few tracks you, yeah. you might be interested in a little bit more on the melodic side right um, I, I did happen to pick some of the dubstepy sounds but Right, because uh, you dig in. Yeah, because you started one. I'm like, wow, right. that I, li- I like that. Then all of a sudden, the dubstep came. I'm like, oh, okay. That's kind of, that's <laughs> there it goes. Sometimes right. dubstep does yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So there you go. Alex, close it out. Sure. Final uh, thoughts and records to take home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I guess final thoughts. Thanks everybody for bringing your picks today. I know that. Uh, you know, some of us were a little bit more sonic quality engineering uh, minded. But I, after like going through everybody's picks, I'm like, I feel like everybody got the assignment and, uh, I I was introduced to a lot of great stuff, obviously a lot of stuff that uh, I'm already familiar with, but you know, I appreciate it. And I almost enjoyed this episode more. I was a little fearful of this episode because I thought maybe it was a little too complicated and too hard to dial in, but I think I enjoyed this more than the guitar solos. Uh, honestly, I thought this was a great bonus episode, uh, more on your guys' part than mine. So, uh, yeah, what I'm taking away, uh, kind of easy, I think, but, uh, easily going to go with Chris with tool, uh, 10,000 days, 
Uh, maybe that's kind of typical because I like, you know, hard rock, heavy metal stuff. But I've known about the band. I've known that they're very technically kind of prog-minded, but I was really impressed with the sonics of that record. So really excited to dive into that band. Uh, Mark, a band I'm familiar with, but uh, suffice to say, did not know the record. Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms, easily putting this one on. Uh, maybe in the next half an hour or so. I knew this was rated up there with one of the best audiophile grade records of all time, uh, and I and I hear why. Uh, you know, not only a great guitar tone, but everything else I heard in that was just was just bliss. And what a Grammy I think. from Kevin. Gonna back it up with the Dua Lipa. I, I've heard a lot about her, uh, but taking a modern kind of pop twist, I heard a lot of good stuff in there that I liked, and maybe a close second would be the knife party i don't know if i would enjoy a whole record of that yeah. but uh dual leap i liked a lot so those are my three takeaways all right yeah i think the general consensus is lots of music to walk away from and that's a good thing so i'll see you guys next with our next discography it's gonna be a good one don't know what it is yet but i just gotta say that don't i i'll see you then we will see you with some great music around the corner